Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Well, I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. We're heading inside the tent with an injury update from the Las Vegas Raiders. That is right, and uh, it's that time of week again when we go out uh, to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in uh, our good friends from uh, the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas, Dr. Robert O'Dell and Dr. Michael Moses. I think Dr. Michael Moses is on the line with us. Uh, Hopefully that is the case. Uh, But if so, how are you guys doing this week? Oh, couldn't get a hold of Michael. It is 8 o'clock there, and I, I think he may have had something tonight, but I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> no worries, no worries, Doctor Odell. Uh, welcome. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Beautiful weather here in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, every day that I live here, Doctor Odell, uh, I fall more and more in love uh, with Southern Nevada. I didn't yeah, think that that was yeah. going to be the case, but here I am, and I just absolutely love it. And I know you agree. Oh yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. I think it. we talked um, about this a couple weeks ago. Nothing yeah, bad ever I, happens I, here. <laughs> right, exactly. And um, one of the reasons I want to even bring that up is because in my old state, um, there is a state bill that seems to be going on, making its way through um, through all the uh, uh, necessary hurdles and, and whatnot um, uh, in, in Sacramento. And uh, it's basically the headline um, is California Senate okays supervised sites for drug users. And uh, first of all, are you aware of what's going on uh, in California? And um, I guess an overview before getting into the specifics of it all, where do you stand uh, on, on all this? I'm not real, never really been in favor of drugs. I'm not in favor of the punitive system either. But uh, it's, uh, it's really sad. I mean, well, one thing that the listeners really need to know is that most of the drug deaths really are not due to prescription drugs. They're due to laced fentanyl and other, other such uh, uh, perturbations of what the people think they're buying. Uh, the, uh, the parts of it that are written prescriptions are actually fairly minor. I just got a call from a doctor today. I'm trying to help the uh, Alabama Medical Board summarily suspend his license. Just absurd good people getting destroyed because of the pendulum having swung in the wrong way. These bad actors, both the dealers and the users, are really taking a toll that you don't often see. Uh, you know, even toll, somebody's worked his whole life as a doctor and, and he gets, uh, you know, nailed with something like this from clipboard ladies, you know, the regulators don't know what they're doing. It just makes my blood burn. And, and I, I know because I've worked for the DEA and against the DEA in saving doctors. So I've been in the middle of it. I've testified in federal court. And, uh, you know, it's not an easy issue. But uh, um, I really, uh, I, I just think the drug use is reprehensible. I don't think it should be legalized. I do believe that there should be more compassion. I'm not sure that I agree with what California is doing, however. Yeah, and, you know, I'll just read the first paragraph. It kind of gives a, a, a good overview of it. Instead of putting co- uh, opioid users in jail, a proposal moving through the California legislator, uh, legislature uh, would give them a place to inject, inject drugs while trained staff watch them to make sure they don't die from accidental overdoses. I mean, that's a lot to digest right there, and obviously kind of a drastic 
sort of a measure. Um, and I just I don't know how to feel about that, Doctor. And, well, I, and I, you do. are... I mean, if, if they're going to have a program where they can taper those drugs 10% per week or, you know, 25% per month or whatever, that's great. Um, I'm just not sure if they're uh, I'm just not sure if that's a good idea to uh, uphold their drug habit. Sure, they're going to prevent overdoses, and that's salutary. But it's it's the issues are really more complex than that, and a lot lot of drug use involves getting away from the people that you do the drugs with. I'm by own no means an expert. I'm not streetwise, you know, um, but uh, I've seen enough uh, harm that it's done to know that. Uh, that uh, I, I probably, in fairness to California, I probably have to take a look at it more closely. But I, I, I just not sure that it's the the best thing to do. I don't think they should be put in jail. I think something else needs to be done. I don't know what that is because it's not my wheelhouse, not my area of expertise. Yeah, and and to me, um, and I don't mean to put you on the spot whatsoever, but uh, I, you you said the key word tapering off. If there was a program that was in place, and I don't. I'd have to read through it again, but I, I don't see that element in it where you're where you're simultaneously um, getting the people the help that they need, not putting them in jail, putting them in a much safer uh, environment uh, where you're slowly weaning them off so that by the time they do they do leave the, the program, uh, presumably the length of time that they were going to be put into quote unquote jail, um, then then you to me anyway, you would be giving them a much better chance to succeed and to move on without the use of drugs by doing it that way. And, and this is the last question I'll ask uh, to you on this, and I know that's not necessarily your, your, your expertise, but is there a way that you can wean somebody off of these type of, of, of drugs, let's say the opioids? Oh, yeah, yeah. The methadone works. Suboxone is excellent. I've done some, I've, I've helped some defensive Suboxone people, even though I don't, uh, uh, even though I don't prescribe it. I just read an article the other day that indicated that Suboxone might be more effective than Oxycontin actually in treating the pain and has a ceiling effect. You know, I don't have really a lot of interest in that. I, I want to leave that to the people who do that stuff all the time because we try to, as you know, get to the root of the problem and we get people off drugs. Hell, I don't even write for gabapentin and Lyrica that much. Unless right. I actually have to. So, I mean, um, I think that that's a very salutary thing, and there are... Uh, Suboxone are a really, really good drug to get people off it. And uh, um, it's, uh, geez, I think I talked to somebody the other day or somebody who knew somebody whose daughter just died from an overdose. It's awful. Wow. I and mean, I, I, I felt like this was important to talk to, to you about because, as you just mentioned, um, you're, you're, everything that you guys are doing is to avoid something like that, going down that road. And, uh, you know, no, I, I would, I, I would Vinny, hope that I've got to say one thing. The pendulum for acute pain has swung too far in the wrong direction. I tell people if they have acute pain, something's going to take me a few weeks to help them with. If you want to have some narcotics, we start with, with uh, something called tramadol. It's a weak mu agonist. Mu agonist is, is, is what the, the oomph of the narcotics is. It's the mu receptors. This is a weak mu agonist and has another proponent to it that suppresses the wind-up system in the, in the body. It's a great drug to start with. If that doesn't work, we can give them hydrocodone or oxycodone, five milligram tablets. Not much at all. You start low and you go slow. And uh, the state law, which actually mandates only a week's uh, supply, is actually good because you come back eat once a week and you and you adjust it. You start low, you go slow. 
that works for younger people, works for middle-aged people, works for old, you know, what's like my age. It's all in titration. What you do is you titrate the drug to the patient's needs. I had a lady uh, yesterday, she told me she was taking hydrocodone every six hours. And she said, and she said I, need, I need more. I said, what do you mean? Well, I said, when you take it, does it wear off? Does it t- take away your pain? She said, yes, but it wears off too soon. Bingo. So I'm, I'm giving it to her every four hours, five milligrams of hydrocodone. Not a big deal if you know what you're doing, and not a big deal if the patient is going to be conscientious. And we do all the, you know, the, the, the urine drug screens and all that stuff. But all you got to do is know what you're doing and use a little logic. Uh, because if somebody has acute pain, I, I had a lady uh, today that a tripod sign is when you're, when you're in the doctor's office screwing around, leaning on your elbow because your back hurts so much. And I said, you know, would you like some tramadol? And she said, yeah, but I'm not sure if I can, you know, Get it from work. So I said, find out, and we'll we'll uh, we'll e rex it in because it's perfectly okay for acute pain, as long as you know what you're doing. Meaning the prescriber knows what he's, he or she's doing. You got to watch Absolutely. that pendulum. Uh, there's an article I didn't read it, but it said, should we get rid of narcotics? The answer is no. There's a reason the body has a built-in endorphin system. There's a reason for that. Some nope. people might find. What I'm saying is surprising, but it's really true. Now, I'm not talking about giving large doses. Start, right. start low, go slow, titrate the pain, uh, the drug to the pain, and watch the patients very carefully. And very few people will get addicted with that scenario. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I urge you guys to call uh, Dr. Odell uh, and, and the staff over at Neuro- Neuropathy and Pain Centers uh, of Las Vegas. Uh, give them a call, 702-257-7246. We say this all the time. You don't have to live with pain. You don't have to just assume because you're getting older or you are older uh, that that's just the way it goes. And uh, pain uh, or getting old equals having to deal with pain. Yes, pain does uh, equate to getting older. Uh, it's just kind of the way things work. But it doesn't mean you have to deal with it on a daily basis. Well, uh, Vinny, you know, you can you can... Nobody ever has to have a total knee replacement anymore. I was talking about that on Wayne Allen Root show last night, and and we're gonna we're gonna we go through that sometime on the show. There's yes. no reason to have a total knee. There's so many cool things that we can do now. Multiple options to prevent that. Uh, total hips are not a big deal. They work really well. But there's all kinds of uh, uh, different options now. With you with a knowledgeable doctor, the word doctor means to teach. They can point you in the right direction. Then uh, they can. Do what's best for you, and and if they can't help you, they can aim you to the right uh, to the right uh, uh, a consultant uh, or surgeon that can do it. So I mean, it's it's uh, there's yes, yeah, there's no reason for an older person to have pain on many yep. many counts. I have a well pain as right we now. Uh, as we have been doing uh, these last few weeks, we want to uh, kind of highlight some of the things that you guys uh, offer uh, at the Neuropathy and Pain Center. Um, and today, uh, what I had suggested is uh, the first. Um, uh, procedure and and you know specialty that you guys have is uh, is called non-surgical spinal decompression. Um, if you could kind of ex- explain first of all what kind of a what kind of pain is associated with that, where it might be, where it might manifest itself in the body, and what it is that you guys can do to help. Well, this is low back or neck pain, where um, if this is a non-surgical form of energy medicine, which basically pulls the back apart, but not apart, but but decompresses the discs in both the neck and the low back. 
the original proponent of this was vertebral axial decompression, or VAC-C, which is how I got started in this business. And what it does, it, it got a bad name from Medicare in 1997, where they, they uh, came down with a national coverage decision without enough data because somebody on the committee didn't like Alan Dyer, MD-PhD, the, the gentleman from Canada. He was a, a health minister there who developed it. And uh, many, many people, and by the way, a, um, a tilt table works the same way. If you can imagine the discs being pulled apart a little bit, the, the pressure inside the disc is decreased. Water, oxygen, and nutrients will flood into there. And over time, you can get outstanding healing. Because of the uh, insurance bias against it, you know, a, a, a session costs anywhere from two to $4,000 for 20 treatments. Uh, I have friends all over the country that are, that are getting cash for this. We, we have the machines, and we're going to start advertising it because it's way, way, way better in my opinion, and even having a stupid epidural, because an epidural just, you know, papers things over, you know? I mean, I'll do it if the patient wants it. It's a quick fix, but this really is healing. We also include in our clinic Synexus electroanalgesia. We're one of the few people in the world to do that, and this really helps as well. Unfortunately, with the current insurance paradigm, we're not really... You know, we don't really uh, have a lot of cash patients, so we're getting more and more. Uh, it's not emphasized as much as it should be, and we have some outstanding animations in our office uh, from a guy named Robert Rocha called 3D Practice that show how this thing work, works. And just like the electricity for, um, electricity for healing, this is mechanical energy for healing, and it, is, uh, it can't be beat. There's, there's really no risk except coming in once, once, a day for, uh, once a day for four weeks or four, four days out of five for four weeks, and it may not work. That, that's true, but you're not going to have any side effects, unlike surgery, especially instrumented spine surgery. No question about it. Uh, talking to Dr. Robert O'Dell from the Neuropathy and Pain Center uh, here in, in Las Vegas. Uh, the second um, procedure and, and specialty that you guys uh, that you guys uh, provide and offer is the lumbar sympathetic block. Um, if you kind of give a quick overview well, on, actually, we talked know. about that a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you recall. That's when somebody has a chronic regional pain syndrome or a, a really painful extremity, and they uh, um, um, <clears throat> it's some it's a, a lot of it sympathetically mediated that means it's the part of the nervous system that squeezes your vessels down and will, uh, like when you, when you stand up, it squeezes down so that the blood doesn't drain from your head and you faint. And uh, right. CRPS, another name for it, chronic regional pain syndrome. The other indication, of course, is uh, uh, vascular disease where this will open up the vessels. We can do this in conjunction with uh, the Synexus device, which has a profound ability to increase blood flow. And, um, um, over time, this can actually help somebody, uh, uh, somebody's uh, condition improve. We've had very good luck with uh, CRPS using both the sympathetic block and the machine. Uh, it's, a, uh, it, it's something that has to be done, you know, frequently uh, over time uh, to, try to, uh, to try to stop the pathology. But it, it really, does work, really does work pretty well and it's fairly safe. Awesome. Uh, Dr. Odell, thank you so much. And, and please, uh, everyone that's listening, uh, or it, everyone knows has a mom, a dad, uh, grandparents, uncles, uh, yourself, whatever the case might be, uh, if, if you're dealing with some discomfort, if you're dealing with pain, 
you don't have to deal with it. Um, and, and Dr. Odell and his staff will get you, get you on the right track, take a look at what's going on, and figure out a great plan uh, for you so that you can alleviate and hopefully even eliminate uh, the pain. Give them a call, 702-257-7246. I urge you guys to do it. Uh, pick up that phone, 702-257-7246. Dr. Odell, thanks so much for spending some time with us this week. Uh, have a great weekend, and we will talk to you guys next week. Okay. Thank you very much, Finney. Take care. You got it, Dr. Odell, uh, Dr. Robert Odell from the Neuropathy and Pain Center uh, of Las Vegas. They do tremendous work there. We all know somebody, whether it's ourselves, friends, family members, uh, that are in pain. And uh, we, we just make this wrong assumption that it's just part of life. you got to suck it up and deal with it. You don't have to. And give them a call, 702-257-7246. You're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinnie Bonsignor. Uh, it, it's an interesting question because it, it was a little bit of a different year. The positive is that we, at least we got to go to pro days. And sometimes that sounds trivial, but it's not to me. I went to a bunch of them. I like to see guys move. I like to feel them. I want to feel a guy coming off the line of scrimmage. I want to feel a quarterback throw. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to sit and meet with the kids, which I think is the biggest downside to the whole thing. Um, so that part is different than last year. At least we were out in the road. We got to speak to a whole bunch of college coaches. You know, that would, I, I enjoyed that. We still had to do some Zoom meetings this year. I don't like that. Even though we get a lot of information and we got after it, it's not the same as sitting down with a kid, having dinner with him, having lunch with him, watching tape with him. Um, it's a little different conversation. So um, that's kind of a long way of saying that I think this we didn't have a combine, so we don't have medical. like So the, there's compare and contrast between last year and this year, some positives, some negatives. The medical's really hard. You know, we're still scrambling on medical right now, as is every team in the league. So to answer your question um, – I think we're going to have some sort of off-season program, you know, and and therefore I'll feel better about getting the kids in our building rather than them being at home Zooming. So that gives you a little bit more latitude, I think, in the draft. But, again, it, it's been a been a crazy two drafts. That's, that's all I can tell you. I'm with you, Mike Mayock. It's been a crazy uh... – it's been a crazy last year and a half. Uh, let's just be straight up about that, and uh, you know, hoping against hope that we're, we're we're you know obviously we're hopefully anyway beyond you know uh, the worst part of it. We're starting to slowly but surely kind of get back to normal uh, if we're ever going to get back to complete normalcy. Um, you know, and uh, we're kind of working our way toward that. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Uh, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We want your call, 702-365-9200. We're talking about the possibility of trading up. Um, you know, the guy that I have my eye on would be Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. Who knows? Maybe he'll be there uh, at pick number 17. Or, as Ian Rappaport from uh, NFL Network suggested today, maybe the Raiders have an eye on uh, a quarterback um, trading up. Uh, to go get one of the young quarterbacks. Uh, and, and specifically, the guy that he mentioned was Trey Lance uh, from North Dakota State. And apparently the Raiders have been, uh, quote-unquote, all over Trey Lance, uh, including some recent conversations uh, with the young quarterback from North D- 
Dakota State. Uh, is that conspicuous that they've had some recent meetings with him? Um, yeah, it is. It is a little bit conspicuous. Now, it could be um, a, a situation where they're trying to deke somebody or, or you know, play somebody into into maybe um, you know moving up to trade with them. Should uh, the player fall to number seventeen, and uh, maybe the Raiders have no um, inclination whatsoever to draft Trey Lance, no matter where he might be uh, in that first round. Uh, but maybe if somebody else behind them thinks that they would, and therefore if Trey Lance should fall to number seventeen, or any of the quarterbacks should fall to seventeen, maybe Mac Jones takes the tumble. Um, the Raiders are obviously somebody is sending out some signals that they're interested. Maybe the interest is legitimate. Maybe it's to, it's to induce somebody to trade up to number seventeen um, to come be a trade partner, right? To go to make sure they get their Trey Lance or they get their Mac Jones or whoever it might be. Um, and it's it's funny because I did this story. It's coming out Sunday um, in, in the Las Vegas Review Journal, and it has to do with power structures in the NFL. Who has the final say? Is it the coach? Is it the general manager? Is there a, you know, um, you know, pyramid of authority? Uh, you know, who's making that final call? And when I when I hear about you know somebody like Mike Mayock talking about smokes or or maybe possibly moving up and and you know talking along those terms, and now all of a sudden this report comes out that the Raiders are heavy in on the quarterbacks, and there might be one in particular that they're interested in, and they've had some conversations with the kid recently uh it, it it makes me think about in 2017 when the san francisco 49ers had uh i want to say it was a second pick overall or somewhere along the, that line they were in the top three for sure and they ended up with the third pick overall i think they traded down one spot to number three um and and what they did was it was kyle shanahan's first year and john lynch's first year john lynch was the general manager kyle shanahan uh was the uh the head coach and Kyle Shanahan by all accounts uh, has he's he's got the hammer he's got the final say so the 49ers in 2017 Kyle Shanahan's first year were already looking ahead to free agency 2018 when Kirk Cousins who Kyle Shanahan uh, had a big role in helping develop when he was with the Washington Football Club uh, as their offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, you know, offensive coordinator, uh, Kyle Shanahan had a big, um, you know, part and role in Kirk Cousins developing into a really good quarterback with Washington, still is with the Minnesota Vikings. But anyway, Kyle Shanahan, upon taking over the San Francisco 49ers and really not having a quarterback, a long-range quarterback, remember that was the year that um, uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, opted, I want to say he opted out of his contract, Kyle Kaep Kaepernick did, um, and the rest obviously is, is, is history. But anyway, you're, you're heading into the draft 2017, and that's the draft where uh, you have Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech, you have Deshaun Watson, you have Mitchell Trubisky uh, is in that draft. He ended up getting drafted second. The 49ers had already started, they were, they were, they were basically saying, we're not going to draft a quarterback in 2017 because Kirk Cousins, Kyle's former pupil, is going to be a free agent after the 2017 season. We're going to sign him. That's the plan. We're going to skip drafting a quarterback in 2017. We've got our eyes on Kirk Cousins in 2018. So they're not drafting a quarterback, and but they don't want everyone to know that. So John Lynch, the general manager, goes to Lubbock, Texas uh, to, to watch 
a guy by the name of Patrick Mahomes, quarterback of Texas Tech, uh, has his pro day in Lubbock, Texas, right? And the 49ers, and, and John Lynch talks about this now, about how he literally went to Lubbock, Texas as a smoke screen. You know, holding the third pick overall, I think it was the second pick overall, they're trying to make it look like they've got legit interest in um, Patrick Mahomes, which they didn't, but they wanted everyone to think they did. And it, the ruse included them taking uh, Patrick Mahomes out to dinner that night uh, in Lubbock, Texas, with the second pick overall. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes wants to put his best foot forward with the 49ers. They had the second pick overall. You want to go as high as you can uh, in the draft, right? So John Lynch goes to Lubbock, Texas. It's a windy, crazy wind, crazy weather day in Lubbock, Texas, and young Mr. Patrick Mahomes puts on a show. Uh, he's thrown 50 miles or 50 yards into, you know, 50-mile wind. You know, it's kind of like a tall tale t- type of a story, but he put on an absolute show, which should not be surprising given everything that he's done as an NFL player. He's the best quarterback in, N- in, the, NFL, in the NFL right now and could go, you know, down the line the best ever. We'll see. So John Lynch, who is there just as a smoke screen and nothing else, as he's there watching Patrick Mahomes, he's going, oh, my God, <laughs> this dude can play. This guy's a really good quarterback right here. Took him out to dinner to continue the smoke screen, to further it, to deepen it. Was blown away talking to Patrick Mahomes uh, you know, at, at dinner as well. How could you not be? We've all seen the Patrick Mahomes over the last few years. He's just like an A-plus person, an A-plus quarterback. He is, you know, destined for the Hall of Fame. Probably, you know, we'll see what happens in Super Bowls uh, from here on out. So it was so impressive that John Lynch calls Mike or Kyle Shanahan, the head coach with the power in the organization, to say, hey, ma'am, I know that we're not going to draft a quarterback or we're, we're thinking about not drafting a quarterback, but we might want to rethink that whole position right now because – this dude, Patrick Mahomes, he he might be good enough for us to move off our original plan and go in a different direction. Obviously, that didn't happen. They traded down um, to the third pick in order for the Niners, or excuse me, the the, the Chicago Bears to get uh, that second pick. I think that that's how that draft worked out, but or that that trade worked out. But long story short, the nut and bolt, nuts and bolts of it is. <laughs> the 49ers who fell in love with Patrick Mahomes but were stuck on a position because the guy with the power, Kyle Shanahan, was already fixated on a quarterback that was going to be available the following season, the following offseason, I should say, um, which is you can't think like that. And I think Kyle Shanahan uh, and John Lynch learned a valuable lesson in that. They opted not to, in spite of every instinct that they that John Lynch um, – you know, was relying on or was had tapped into watching Patrick Mahomes just blow him away and knowing that he was going to be there with the second pick for the 49ers and instinctually was like, I don't know if we're making the right decision here. We might need to rethink this whole thing because this guy's really good. And he calls Kyle Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan obviously nixed that and said, no, nope, we're going we're, we're gonna to stick to the plan to the point where they ended up draft trading down a pick to draft Solomon Thomas. If that name rings a bell, yeah, that's the Solomon Thomas who's now with the Raiders. He was a defensive tackle at Stanford. Fantastic college player, no question about it. 
But there's a reason why <laughs> Solomon Thomas is with the Raiders now. He didn't pan out as the third pick overall with the 49ers. They drafted Solomon Thomas in spite of seeing firsthand and knowing in their gut, John Lynch knew in his gut, that this dude can play. And I'm not, you know, uh, maybe Kyle Shanahan should have gone to, and that this is, this, this, I'm going to say this, this is why it's important, you know, for, for Mike Mayock and, and the Raiders to be at all these quarterback, um, you know, pro days, to see it for themselves. Kyle Shanahan didn't go out to Lubbock, Texas uh, to, to, to watch um, Patrick Mahomes. It, it sounds like, based on the story that I've heard, and, and it was from John Lynch himself, because he said, literally said that he called Kyle Shanahan to tell him about what he had just seen. Maybe had Kyle Shanahan, who had ultimate say, gone to Lubbock, Texas, been so blown away and decided, you know what? Forget the original plan. Forget Kirk Cousins. This is the guy we need to get. So um, it's important to do your homework. It's important to get your own eyeballs on them. It's important to listen. Like Kyle Shanahan, in that moment, when his general manager, who um, you know is the guy that kind of makes the suggestions but not the decisions, but when... John Lynch was making such a strong case for a Patrick Mahomes. You have to listen. You have to, you know, you have to be cognizant of that. And in doing this story um, for the Las Vegas Review Journal, in terms of, you know, uh, who has the ultimate say, who's got the power, um, it, it really it's it's less about what, who the, who, who um, what position holds the power, whether it's the head coach or the general manager as it does who holds the power. Um, the, is it the right person that has the power? And uh, you know, Bill Belichick, talking to people uh, for the story that have worked with him, obviously has the final say, the, all the power in the world with the New England Patriots. But what's interesting about Bill Belichick is, in spite of this image that we have of him as this unbending, hoodie-wearing, sullen, authoritative uh, you know uh, uh, authoritative figure in spite of what we see those people who work for him the people who have worked him for for him with him describe him as somebody that's an incredible listener uh, incredibly open-minded and um, you know Bill Belichick said to me I, I talked to I talked to or Bill Belichick I'm sorry uh, Brian Belichick said to me when I talked to him about this and remember he was the head coach uh, with, the, with the Baltimore Ravens, worked for Ozzie Newsom in Baltimore. They won a Super Bowl together. Ozzie Newsom had the final say. Uh, but Brian Billick told me that, yes, and it was clearly established that Ozzie had final say. I was fine with that. And the thing about Ozzie was he was the, one of the best listeners that Brian um, had ever encountered and somebody that listened and heeded and took advice and was open-minded. In fact, they would have... Uh, these practices that they would go through uh, where they would literally call it scrimmages, where one day Brian would take uh, one side of an argument in terms of a player and Ozzy would take the other side and they would scrimmage argue, you know, scrimmage over it. You know, I want this guy and there's why, blah, 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 and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Then they'd go sleep on it and revisit it the next day. And there were so many times where, you know, 
I come in, I'm like, you know, you're right, you know, and then he would be, no, 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 you were right, you know, and so they'd scrimmage again, um, you know, on the other side of the coin. So, um, but it, it's all about, you know, talking and arguing and discussing and analyzing and bringing in as many voices as you possibly can. And as, as Billick said to me, it's, you have to under, it's not the guy that has all the answers because nobody has all the answers. It's the person that can ask the right questions to get to the most, the, the, the answer that has the strongest or best possibility or strongest likelihood of, of being the right answer when it comes to drafting players. So, um, you know, really interesting to, to hear that, but you have to be able to heed sometimes the conviction. I think in, in retrospect, Kyle Shanahan should have listened a little bit more to John Lynch about not just what he was saying, but how he was saying it and describing Patrick Mahomes. Because, you know, when we watch Patrick Mahomes now, I think every one of us says, how could that guy have not been the first pick in that draft? And I think it, 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 was, it was in spite of what people saw with their own two eyes and felt in talking to him. They knew it. They just weren't ready to, 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 to you know, pull the trigger or believe themselves enough to go ahead and, and pick him higher. And the rest is history because the Kansas City Chiefs lucked out and got him. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. And by the way, Kansas City Chiefs, if I remember correctly, traded up. They had a quarterback by the name of Alex Smith. They traded up a few slots when Patrick Mahomes uh, started falling to draft him. Hmm. Raiders thinking about trading up? I don't know. You're in the huddle, Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila and Bahada. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Oh, yes. Yes. Before we get to Dennis, uh, who's been waiting patiently, and I appreciate that. Yeah, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs back in 2017. They had the 27th pick in that draft. The Raiders had the 17th pick, right? The Raider, the Chiefs had the 17th pick, or 27th pick, in the 2017 draft. They moved all the way up to number 10 by giving up their 27th pick, a third-round pick, and the following year's first-round pick to go get Patrick Mahomes. Right now, that looks like just the steal of the century. Am I right? To move up from 27 to 10, giving up next year's number one pick, which ended up being the 28 number one pick, obviously, and a, thir- a third rounder that particular year. So for the Raiders, let's say Trey Lance. Let's say they do have their eye on Trey Lance, and, and he just becomes the apple of their eye, much like Patrick Mahomes became the apple of the Chiefs' eye. To move up from number and, – and Trey Lance is starting to fall, and maybe he gets to that 10th pick overall – um, to move up to the 10 or 11, because you don't think the Dallas Cowboys are going to draft him, right, with number 10. Um, of course not. They've got, they just put a million dollars into their, uh, into, into their quarterback. What would it take to move up to, to number 11? Next year's number one, obviously. The 17th pick this year, and maybe a fourth rounder this year. Would you do that to go get a Trey Lance or a Michael Parsons. I mean, you have to be aggressive sometimes. I understand that first round picks are the end all be all, but if you if there's a guy that you have such a conviction about that you can't afford to let him slip by or slip out of your grasp 
because you're not bold enough to give up a first round pick the following year and a mid rounder that in in the current draft along with your first round pick obviously come on man come on the good teams get aggressive when they need to get aggressive the Kansas City Chiefs move all the way up from 27th to 10th giving up the following year's number one pick and a fourth rounder in 2017 along with that 27th pick to get Patrick Mahomes the rest is history who cares I don't care if they traded their entire 2018 draft, they didn't have to. It was just the number one pick that following year. That was more than worth it. Don't get fixated on those number one picks as if they're the end-all, be-all when it comes to somebody that can change your franchise. I'm not saying that Trey Lance can change the Raiders franchise uh, or Micah Parsons, but I think both of those guys, and defensively Micah Parsons for sure, has a chance to be such an impact player from day one that it 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 um, is worth giving up a future number one pick for. That's just my two cents. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener in line uh, and Dennis, who's been waiting patiently on the line. Thank you, Dennis, uh, for letting me get that uh, off my chest uh, a little bit. Uh, how are you doing and, and what you got? You put steaks on the grill. Happy Friday to you, Vinny. Absolutely. I'm right there with yeah. you, brother. Right on. Hey, man, I, I just wanted to say I really love the show. I try and listen every day, and I really appreciate uh, what you do for the Raider Nation here. It's awesome to have a place to come and express our opinions. Um, talking about the draft, I'm super pumped that it's a week away. I don't think I have anything like staggering in the first two rounds. I, I agree. I, I hope that Micah Parsons drops to us at 17. I don't think mm-hmm. we necessarily need to trade up, although I say that with a grain of salt. Maybe depends on how close he gets. Uh, if we can get them from, you know, going to the uh, Patriots, that would be awesome at 15. But anyway, Micah Parsons would be my picket at 17. If he's not there, I, I still say we go linebacker and we go with the uh, Jeremiah OK. Uh, yep. The bottom line is I think we need an alpha linebacker, um, somebody that can cover sideline to sideline these tight ends and running backs that have been killing us. So that, that's my first pick there in the first round. I like it. I like it. Okay. All right. Uh, second round, I, again, no surprise. I think Richie Grant has a good chance of being there. There's our answer to free safety. He's going to be awesome, I think. Where it gets a little tricky is obviously the third round, right? Yep. Uh, we need to get an offensive tackle. I, I really like this kid Brady Christensen out of BYU. Of course, he's a left tackle. But, man, the dude is great uh, at pass protection, and he's a good run blocker. He, he's super good. I, I don't know if he'll be there at 79. If he's not, I, I really like this kid, uh, Stone Foresight from Florida. Again, another left tackle. But uh, he got long arms. He's six foot nine, 312, 15 pounds, something like that. And he seems like his footwork's a little shaky, and he kind of stands up straight. But I think that uh, Coach Cable can work that out with him. So one of those two guys at 79 for the uh, offensive tackle issue. And in the end, I'd say at 80, uh, go for cornerback. I I like this guy Trey Brown out of Oklahoma. He seems to be like lightning fast, ball hawk, good tackler. What, he ran a 440 and uh, a 4.4 in the 40, and he's a hell of a, a kick returner. So I, that's how I kind of see that first round going. I'd be real super happy to get three solid defensive players and also be able to tech, 
protect car on the right side there. Yeah, and uh, I like I like the direction that you're uh, that you're going in. What do you think about Spencer Brown? Before I let you get uh, over back to your stakes, what do you think about Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa? Maybe in the third round uh, from I uh, haven't the seen much on Spencer Brown. I really can't comment to that. Give it a look. You know, when you get a chance after okay. uh, maybe your second or third beer and uh, and steak and potatoes and everything like that. Go check out Spencer Brown. Um, there is some good footage of him. Um, uh, long, lean, kind of, kind of reminds you a little bit of a Colton Brown uh, coming out of UCLA. Just a big a athletic. Colton Miller, you mean, or I mean, sorry, yeah, I, I got my yeah, Browns okay. and Millers uh, mixed up. Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, Colton Miller, the, the 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 current left tackle for thanks for uh, thanks for that. The current left tackle for the for the Raiders. If you look back right. at at Colton coming out of UCLA, big six foot nine, just specimen. And athletic, um, and that's kind of what Spencer Brown brings to the table as well. So uh, enjoy your weekend, enjoy the steaks. Uh, you know, don't be a stranger. Invite me; I'll come over and, uh, and join you one of these days. <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, thanks for taking the call, Vinny. Thank you, Dennis. I really appreciate right. it. Uh, and right, thanks man. to everybody that called. Uh, loved the energy, loved the insight, and you know the opinions and the picks. Um, I think that Raider Nation. Uh, you've definitely got uh, your pulse or, or got, got your finger on the pulse. Uh, a lot of good answers, a lot of good insight, and a lot of g- great homework. You could tell that Raider Nation uh, is, is putting in the work. They're grinding, as John Gruden would say, uh, to get to the right answer. And we're very quickly and rapidly uh, getting to the day when we're going to finally figure out who the Raiders draft with number 17. Or maybe they trade up. I'm just saying. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, uh, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Thank you to Devon Cotton for doing all the great work that he does. Hopefully he feels better. Um, he wasn't feeling good earlier in the week, but it uh, looks like he's raring to go uh, for the weekend. Enjoy it. Be careful. We'll talk to you guys, everybody, uh, on Monday, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur.